audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at either 9 or 10.30 a.m. Um, yeah, so like I said, we're in the middle of the book of Acts. Acts is, uh, Acts is awesome. It's awesome. Like, what happens, it's like the Holy Spirit comes in, energizes the church, the church launches and starts, and this, these incredible things start happening. And, and I can't think of a, of, a, of a funner place to spend time. You know, I, I love life of Christ. And so any of the encounters with Jesus, like, I love that. I love the parable teaching. And then Acts. And then Acts. It's so neat to see what's happening. So last week, Jamie set up the scene and what we're looking at this week. So we're not going to do a lot of the background check uh, work. We're just going to get right to the text, okay? So we kind of set up. He was talking about uh, Philip, Philip the deacon. And just uh, some of what was taking place with his ministry, his ministry has kind of been, kind of been uh, shifted directly uh, to the Samaritans, and he's got, he's got a heart for them, and that's where he's going to be headed. So uh, this week we're going to look at Acts 8, 25 through 40. So if you want to get there, actually 26 through 40 is what we're going to look at. So if you want to get there, it'll be up on the screen. I'll be reading out of the uh, uh, um, New American Standard. It says, but an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, get ready and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. And desert, this is a desert road. So he got ready and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her uh, treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and setting in his chariot and was reading Isaiah the prophet. When the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot, Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? He said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was like a sheep uh, to the slaughter. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb that is silent before its shears. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his justice was taken away. Whom will describe his, this, his generation? For his life was taken away from this earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me of whom this prophet, uh, of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began from the scripture. <clears throat> he preached Jesus to him. And he went along the road, and they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And he ordered that the chariot stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he, was, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit snatched Philip away. Crazy, just snatched him. Philip just got snatched out of this place. And he ended up, uh, uh, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Uh, incredible things just took place here. Like I said, Jamie already set this up last week. We're going we're gonna to look at, uh, basically, there's three characters in this story. There's Philip, there's the uh, Ethiopian, we're going to refer to him as the Ethiopian. I know it says eunuch, he was a castrated man. I'm not going to keep referring to that the whole entire time we talk today, okay? But yes, he was in a position of power. Um, he served a queen, and if you're outside of the family, you're in a position of power, and you serve a queen, guess what? They're going to make sure that nothing fishy happens to the family bloodline, okay? So, he, boy had been dealt with like that. And so, he, but he was in a position of power. He had money. Uh, he was traveling with money. It would have, it would, he would have had money to even be able to have the scripture that he was reading. To be able to possess that in his chariot, he would have had money. So, he was, uh, he was wealthy. 
He was traveling with wealth. He, was, he represented wealth back where he was from. And third, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. All right, so let's, let's begin to break this down. So we're talking about Philip, uh, the deacon, back in verse uh, 4 through 8. You can look at it on your own. We're not going to jump into that, but we can see where part of his ministry, his ministry had kind of turned to the Samaritans. So, you know, a group that was not a group of people that uh, the gospel would be going to. Like, they were like the ones that this is, it's not going to get to them, okay? They're the ones that, like, they're, they're not going to hear it. They're not going to respond to it, and we're not, we're not going to mess with that, okay? Um, there's a couple of things I think we could learn as we just look at the life of Philip very, very simply. And that's where we're going to spend a good chunk of our time today. So first thing we can learn and put in practice from Philip was he was obedient. Philip was obedient. He was obedient. He'd been, he'd been actively living out a, uh, the commission of the Lord. He understood Jesus' teaching in Mark uh, 1-7 where, um, they were, where Jesus taught them that they would be fishers of men. He understood this to not just that fishers of men, okay, were not just the disciples, that they weren't just a special group of people that had been given, you know, an outgoing personality, that they weren't just a special group of people, that, you know, socially um, they were very gifted, that, that that's not, he, he understood it. Like, this is part of what it means, okay, to be a believer, that every single person that proclaims the name of Christ, that you are fishers of men. So let's just have this conversation in the beginning of it. If you're sitting here today and you've not yet taken a hold of this hope, don't leave this place today without. And what I mean by that is you're not a baptized believer. You're not a baptized believer. You haven't yet taken a hold of that. Don't leave this day without making that decision, that decision that we just seen Charlie make. Don't leave. Why would, why would you step away from that? And that's important to know this, that everything that we're going to be talking about today, um, you can't give away what you don't yet have. And I don't want to limit the spirit here, because God's going to do how he wants to do it, where he wants to do it, okay? But let's just think about this. I can't reach in my pocket, and I can't give you something that I, that's not in there. And I think that's important as we begin to pill through some things that we see from Philip here. Philip was obedient. I believe, let's go ahead and throw that slide up there because I worded it different than on my, on my notes here. Okay, so I believe Philip saw evangelism as a spiritual discipline rather than a spiritual gift. Let that sink in for just a moment. I think sometimes we classify evangelism as a spiritual gift where I, don't, I think that there's a case to be made in Scripture that we don't necessarily see it as a spiritual gift but as a spiritual discipline. All believers have been commissioned okay, to go and live out the gospel. And so what happens there is if we slip into that, we're like, well, you know, my Enneagram number says that, okay, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Like, but the whole thing is, is let's utilize it for the way it was intended to be utilized for research so I can just, I can better understand myself, not to stay there, but to grow in other areas. Well, my personality type is, yeah, 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 I understand that. But why are you stalled out there and just saying, yep, that's who I am. Well, I'm pretty sure Jesus came to change who we are, okay? <laughs> and so with that in mind, as we, as we kind of reprogram maybe how we think about this, that uh, evangelism is a spiritual discipline, and we begin to take a hold fully of what it means to be a fisher of man, and we stop, to, we stop putting excuses there, okay? 
We simply just stop putting excuses there. Because when we do that and when we choose to see that a different way, and Philip, it didn't say Philip was a, you know, he was a powerful, gifted evangelist. He just was living for Christ, okay? We take away the excuse that it's not for somebody else to do, but it's actually for me to be doing. It's actually for me to be doing. It might do us some good to begin, if we haven't already, to get busy viewing this the same way. Will or could somebody else be better at sharing the gospel than myself? Probably. Probably. And I think that's a good question to ask ourselves. Could somebody else be better at this? Yeah, there's always somebody that's, that's like the kid showing up at the baseball game thinking, I'm the best baseball player there ever was. Oh yeah? Ever? Ever? But sometimes we start down that road so far, and what happens is we begin to, and Jamie's hit it a couple of times here lately, we begin to put the emphasis on ourselves like we save people. Like we save people. Like, you have, we have got to get ourselves out of the way of that. So it's like, could somebody else do a better job? Whoa, 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 whoa. The Holy Spirit is who does the saving here, okay? We just do the speaking. We do the loving, and we do the speaking. And so let's get disciplined in those areas of loving others and speaking truth. And when we're disciplined in those areas, the Holy Spirit's going to do its thing, Okay? You don't, you don't make anybody do anything. It doesn't work like that. And so we've got to keep that in our mindset as we strive to, to live obedient like Philip was. We're simply called to be obedient. We're called to be obedient. Uh, second thing we learned from Philip is Philip was Intentional. Philip was laser intentional. He wasn't so consumed with his own wants, desires, and what he was trying to enjoy or obtain in life that he missed the intentionality of the Great Commission and sharing the gospel. Let me say that again because it's a mouthful. Philip Philip was not so consumed with his own wants desires and what he was trying to enjoy or obtain that he was missing being intentional about living out the great commission and sharing the gospel those things creep in and happen very easily in life okay and i and i i want to encourage you like if you're if you're putting up your collar and you're going out into the world to work go work hard go go make it go make it make it and aggressively work do it ethically do it correct, and go take money for the kingdom, okay? And yes, you work hard to enjoy it. You work hard, but so often, life becomes about this, so often. I'm going to get out there, I'm going to kill myself, and then we're going to go on vacation where I can be whoever I want to be and act however I want to be without any intentionality to recharge. And I just simply do not see that in the life of Christ. I don't see that in how he lived his life. And I'm not saying don't take downtime. Yes, take downtime. Absolutely. Enjoy life. But when our life is being ran by a pattern like that, 
Like, could you imagine if Jesus was like, I'm just so, I'm just done with you. Like, I'm just done with you. Like, I need me some vacation, you know? Like, that, that's not how he acted. That's not what he did. He said, I'm weary, and I'm tired, and I need to spend time with the Father. And when we live like that, it's like we're so aggressively being intentional about so many other things in life that we're, we're working and working and working and killing ourselves so that we can rush to some place and, and parents you already know like it's a lot of work okay because we're trying to get everywhere and enjoy everywhere and see everywhere and you're getting spanking if you don't get in the seat right now and you know and we get to that point and then the next thing you know it's, it's Monday and you're like oh, I didn't even take a break But I'm really diving at the intentionality of everything that was going on that whole entire time. Where was the intentionality of the gospel the whole entire time? Philip was intentional as he traveled. Philip lived very simply like this, head up, ears open, and eyes out. Head up, ears open, and eyes out. That's how he was living his life. He had his head open. Or he had his head up to what was going on around him, had his ears open, he was listening. As he walked by the cars at Walmart, as he walked by the cars at the gas station, as he sat at the ball games, as he rode on the planes, trains, and cars, okay? As he was where he was at, he listened to what was going on around him. He had his eyes open, he was noticing the things that were going on in people's lives, he, was noted, he heard what was going on in, the, in this Ethiopian's life. He heard him reading. He heard him questioning. Hey, do you know what you're reading there? Like, it was a simple question. Like, it never even says that Philip went to, um, he, he has a master's in evangelism. It never says that. That he was formally trained to share the gospel. It never says that. He said he was being obedient to the Lord. He was a, he was a servant, okay, in the church. And he heard this guy Reading scripture. Hey, what you reading? You ever been on an airplane before? Like when a common guy like me gets on an airplane, it's like I always get set, it's like some, somebody interesting is always set somewhere around me, you know? And it's usually, well, we'll just go one direction right now. It's usually, okay, um, somebody that's like a, a kind of an important person, you know, and I'm like, wow, our paths would have never crossed, you know? And it's just like you can make, Conversation, and all of a sudden these barriers are changed as you travel and as you are mere passengers together, right? And you can begin to have conversations with intentionality. If our eyes are open, our ears are open, and our heads are up, and we're paying attention. Philip was paying attention. He wasn't distracted by his own desires. He wasn't distracted by his own fears and anxieties or his preconceived prejudices on who Jesus would be saving. I think it's important to stop here for a moment because we have likely all, if, if, if the Great Commission is anywhere in your mindset, okay, we have likely all been in a place where we have looked at a guy and we've, we've just said, it ain't, it's not worth my time. 
I, I, got, I got other things to do. I, I, I got other things to do today. He ain't changing. He's never going to change. I know where he's from. I know what he's about. It's not worth my time today. Those come from a variety of different places, guys. Those come from upbringing. Those, those judgmentalnesses come from how we were raised, the things we've heard. Those even come from experiences that we've had, okay? I'm not going to tell you every experience of you opening your mouth about Jesus is going to be a pleasant one. But we get those preconceived things and those preconceived prejudices like we know better who Jesus is. And it's simply wrong that we box in the spirit like that, like we had anything to do with the saving anyways? Do we do this sometimes? Have you ever done that? Have you ever thought that? Ah, I'm busy. It's just, it is not worth my time right now. I'm, I mean, I have, okay? And, I, and, I, and I'm not, I'm, I'm a guy. I'm a guy. I've done it. And it was wrong. And there's been times where I've overextended myself and God has showed up in a crazy way. And I'm like, oh my goodness. That's crazy. 1 Timothy 2.4 said God wants, God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So what's God's desire? For that person who we might sum up, who you might sum up because of some prejudices or some, something, some experience you have, God's desire is for that person to also have a saving relationship with him. So I just want to encourage you, if you've ever come to a spot where I'm just simply too busy for that, whoa, bro. Philip lived with his head up, his, his ears open, and his eyes out. Um, let's see. Number three thing we can take away from Philip. Philip was relational. Philip was relational. So Philip was intentional about his seeking the Spirit. He was intentional about his time. He was intentional about how he was living. He, he heard, okay, he heard this Ethiopian reading. He stepped up beside it. It, it was weird. You know it was weird. There was other people, you know, because this guy was traveling with wealth. And they were like, whoa, you're, you're getting a little close here, man. You know, what's, what's the deal? And he's listening. He's listening. And it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been straight. It wasn't like, what. Well, like, how does he have his other AirPod? What's going on here? You know, well, no, they would have been, re he would have read out loud. That was kind of a custom to do, was to read out loud. And he wouldn't have just been reading just for his own reading out loud. You know, it would be like, it's also the people that are right around him, you know, the, the, the bodyguards, the people around the chariot as they're moving. He's, you know, they're, they're hearing this as well. And Philip just hears it and just pulls up beside it and goes ahead and leans into it. Now, that could have got weird, right? Like, whoa, what are you doing? What do you, what do you, like, what do you, what business do you have here? But the Spirit led Philip to have that. And you know that there's been times where it's like, 
It's just that nudge of, I should say something. I should ask. I should do this. I should show them something. I should. And even though it won't make sense, and even though it's like, that's not even my class of people. Like, we don't, we don't know each other like that. Who cares, right? Like, God's going to do how he wants to do it. And that's us still trying to control the situation. Instead of just living in obedience to God and the Spirit. So he was super intentional, but he was relational. He wasn't too busy to get personal and spend time with people. Will it cost you? Yes, it will cost you. Is your time valuable? Yes, it is valuable. I can't think of what would be more valuable to me than my family, okay? I, I don't have much, and you're welcome to borrow anything that I have. It's not a whole lot of stuff, but... But my family is extremely valuable, to, and my time is next. My time is valuable, okay? And will being relational cost you your time? Yes, it will cost you some time, okay? Yes, our time is limited, but my question is this. How could we be so busy not to invest the relational time into others that was invested into us so that someone could come to know the gospel? How could we be selfish with that? Just think, just for a moment, just for a moment, where did the seeds of the gospel come from for you? Was it a grandma? What does it explain one time like this? Listen, boy, turn or burn, okay? I'm not having this conversation again. <laughs> no, it wasn't, and you know it wasn't. It was full of love and grace and, and simple conversations, and you know it, and it, and it cost her. Patience, if nothing else, okay, and time. And you might just say, well, that's just who she was. That's just who that person was. Yeah, well, they were intentional. They were relational. They were obedient to God. They were all those things. Maybe it was a grandfather. Maybe it was a counselor at camp when, when you were young. Maybe it was a minister. Maybe it was a friend or a neighbor. But somebody has taken the time. And I'm willing to bet it's various people over the time in your own walk with the Lord. And they've pulled up beside and they've listened. They've pulled up beside and they've been there. They answered the phone. They had the conversation. They heard your heart. They showed up at your work. Because they had to? No. Because they care. Because they care. How can we be so busy not to invest relationally time into others that was invested into us to share the gospel? I mean, at the heart of it, people just want to be seen, known, and heard. That's true for every one of us. You want to be seen, known, and heard. Me too. Me too. It takes a little time to do that with one another. So does the world that's lost and needs Jesus. They do too. Well, guess what? You're going to have to go and spend a little time with them. Because if, if, you, if you don't, like the way Jesus went is he went and interacted with sick people. He went and interacted with hurting people. He was very, very hands-on and relational with people. To a fact that even the, the, the hierarchy of the church would be openly calling him out that he spends time with those types of people 
his life was on mission. It was on a laser-focused mission. When we slow ourselves down and choose to be more relational with our, our time, the Holy Spirit can be more effective through us. When we slow ourselves down and choose to be more relational with our time, the Holy Spirit can be more effectively, can be more effective through us. I don't know how that's worded up there, but you understand what I'm saying. You know why? Because we're intentionally seeking and walking in tune with the Holy Spirit, and we don't do the saving, He does. He does. Of all the scriptures that this Ethiopian could have been reading, he's reading the, the absolute diamond of the Old Testament that points to Jesus. And I don't know if you're catching this or not, but Philip didn't step up and get him lost in some theology and start just giving him all kinds of different wandering truths. Like, it's so simple. It's so simple to the point that Philip was like, uh, yeah, let's, I'm sorry I held you up. Let me get my shirt off here and let's get down in this water. He got right to the point. Hey, well, what's this about? Well, let me tell you what it's about. Let me tell you about Jesus, okay? Well, let me tell you how you get a relationship with Jesus, how you start this relationship with Jesus. And Scripture is very, very clear. Like, we don't have to, we don't have to, like, I know it can be, are you going to mess it up? Are you going to say it wrong? Probably. Okay, probably. I don't want to listen to any sermons from 16 years ago. I can promise you that, okay? Did I mess up? Yeah. Am I scared to even listen now? Absolutely. We need to burn all those tapes, okay? We're all growing. We're all growing in our relationship. We're all growing in truth. We are, as humans, on this journey together. And today, we've got to strive to live in obedience to what we know today. It's very, very simple. You take the whole, the, 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 the New Testament and you look at it. It doesn't matter if it's Jesus and Nicodemus. It doesn't matter if it's, it's Paul in prison speaking to the jailer. It doesn't matter. It's, it all comes back to these things. Believe, confess, repent, and be baptized. And let me just tell you, in this encounter, I'm so thankful that the gospel was presented so tightly like that so early in the church that before the person, have you ever shared the gospel with anybody? There's nothing greater. Nothing. Have you ever gotten the baptistry with anyone? Guys, there's nothing greater. Nothing. I've not yet been in a situation, but what an incredible one, where Philip is explaining this, and this man is like, uh, so if I'm understanding this correct, there's water right here, like why can't we just do this? And he's like, uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry, right? <laughs> like I, I've held this up too long, you know, let's, 
What an incredible thing, right? Like, it's so exciting to me. But when we open our mouth, when we love people, when that's the intentionality, guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to peel everything back. He does the work. We don't, we don't do the work. We do the work of obedience on our part and our relationship with God. So here's the, uh, you know, if the coach was to come in and everybody gets, gets together and groups up, here's the, you, you know, give it your all speech right here, okay? When we slow ourselves down and choose to be more relational with our time, the Holy Spirit can be more effective. So go get them. This is how Jesus lived his life, relational. And if our lives are to be mapped after his lifestyle, then we have got to stop being so busy. And let me tell you, there was an, there was an older gentleman here years ago, and there was a Sunday that I was very busy, and it's like everything broke on the Sunday, Okay? And this guy said, hey, do you got a minute? And I did not even hear him because I was so busy, which was followed by a snatch from the back of the arm, okay? And said, hey, you need to slow down and listen to people. I'm trying to tell you something that's important right now. And I just melted on the inside because I was wrong. And I can tell you that if what I'm seeing in young people is that they just want to have conversations is also true about everybody else around us, then we have to stop being so busy and start being more relational and it is going to cost us something, okay? But we have to be honest about if we're living for God or if we're living for ourselves. At least be honest with yourself. Get your checkbook out and look at it yourself, Answer the question yourself. Who am I living for primarily? Myself or God? Get your calendar out yourself and look at it and ask yourself, am I primarily living for self or for God? Because where that time and money is mostly funneled will reveal who you're primarily living for and the obedience, intentionality, and relational energy that you're using for the Great Commission. It is that simple. It is that simple. I'm just trying to encourage you to look at it yourself. There's a board in the back of the room, and I ain't seeing nobody pick up any cards. I'm not seeing anybody write anything down. I'm not hearing anybody say, this is what God is putting on my heart to do right now. And so that means that there's a problem, and the problem is this. People are simply not praying that or they're too scared to share that. And that's a problem. That's a problem. Because if we're not living for the kingdom and we're not living for the commission, that he's commissioned our lives, then we are living for ourselves. And we are simply just coming on Sundays and saying that 
we love God with all of our hearts. And then we're going and we're saying, all right, good game, good speech. Let's go get ready for this next vacation we're going on. It's going to be great, hon. It's like, what? What are we doing? What are we doing? Are we praying for the opportunity? Are we praying for the lost? Are we, are, is there a prayer in our prayer time that's like, God, use me however you want. However you want. Like, I, I want to tell you, there's nothing more fulfilling or purposeful in your life that you could possibly pray for. Is it scary? Yes. Am I in a room full of men that I know to be wusses? No. Okay? I'm in the room with some, with some challenging, bold men. But that's different than confident, godly men, okay? And the difference is that thing that we're talking about right now. I'll sum up the, uh, the character of the Ethiopian real quick. Ethiopian comes onto the scene in his chariot. He heard it, acted on it, and received it. End of story. Philip wasn't even there to praise the Lord. What's going on? He gone. He's, he's, he's gone. He's about the Father's business. It's awesome when God allows us to be part of that process. If you're hearing this today and you haven't yet responded, my question is why? Why? Romans 6.23 says, The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Do we understand? Do, do, do you understand that if you've not yet reached out and taken a hold of this, this relationship with Jesus, that we're living outside of this, that this commission is not part of our life yet because we have not yet started a relationship with Jesus. We do not yet have that hope that we're talking about. The last character is the Holy Spirit. He led Philip, he led the Ethiopian, and he took Philip away. He's the leader. He's the leader. Philip wasn't the leader asking the Holy Spirit, to, hey, would you come with me by this chariot? No, he listened. The Holy Spirit was the leader. Philip was the follower. The Ethiopian was the follower. I was young, I was rowdy. I bought this, I bought this short, wide truck. It had the good motor in it, okay, and it was low miles. And it was equipped with a thing called a rev limiter, and I wasn't aware of what a rev limiter was yet or how it worked or the amount of fun that you could have with something like that. But once I started to be rowdy in this vehicle, okay, I realized that wah, 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 wah was kind of fun because it was protecting the motor from the damage that I was going to do with it, and it gave me perimeters in which to run to have a good amount of fun without tearing up this vehicle. You follow? Anybody? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about and you're trying not to act like you know what I'm talking about right now. You're sitting there like, uh, you know, you know, okay? But there was a point after that very quickly that I realized the rev limiter wasn't so much fun anymore because that thing had a little more potential in it than what I was getting out of it. And I was tired of being harnessed back here at wah, 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 wah. I wanted to run, okay? 
And my question for you this morning is, what are the rev limiters right now that are keeping you from fully functioning to the potential that God has created you to, to run? What is keeping you from being wide open? Tim, what is it? What is keeping us from being wide open, Brian? What is it? What are those things that are holding us back, that are keeping us limited from running wide open? And what would it look like, Jason? What would it look like if there was no limiter there? And we were running wide open for the Lord. Wide open. Obedient. Intentional. Relational. I'm from Oklahoma, and my wife has had to train me in some speech. And she's had to help me learn some words. The, she says they're the right way. I don't really know, you know. And then there are some phrases that I heard growing up. I don't even know if they're a thing that made it to Kansas or not, but here's one of them, and I think they apply. So my, my question is, when would be the right time to share the gospel? Because I think sometimes we stop there and are like, I don't know if it's the right time to, you know. Like, when is the right time to say Jesus? Here's something that I heard in Oklahoma, okay? There's never a wrong time to do the right thing. There's never a wrong time to do the right thing. So is it okay to share Jesus today? Yep. Is now the right time? Yep. I'm not saying it's always going to go fine. I'm not going to say it's going to go the way you planned it to go, okay? I'm just telling you there's never a wrong time to do the right thing. And the right thing is always Jesus. That's always the right thing. Paul gives us some instructions in Colossians uh, 4, 2 through 6, and I, I'm super, super thankful for, for this, okay? It says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with the attitude of thanksgiving. Pray at the same time for us as well that God will open us up to a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I, am also, which I have also been imprisoned. That I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be, always be with grace as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. This is gold right here. If you like making lists, this is gold right here. Let's think of the context of sharing the gospel with other people for a moment. Here we go. He gives us this, devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. Are you praying for the opportunity? Are you praying for the Spirit to lead you and guide you? Are you shutting your mouth during prayer and listening to the Spirit lead you and guide you? Right? Like how would you know what is trying to lead you and guide you if you're trying to talk all the time, right? Be watchful. Be watchful of yourself, okay? And be, have your head up and your eyes open and your ears open and pay attention. There, there are seasons, God has given us seasons that are so easy for ministry. Let me just give you, like, here's physical seasons, okay? Christmas, uh-huh. Easter, uh-huh. Listen, you can invite anybody to church during Christmas and Easter. They're expecting it, okay? If they know your church and you get around them, like, they're expecting you to ask them. But you can take it much, much further than that. But then there are those other seasons, right? Let me throw out a couple of those. Struggling marriage. 
struggling parental issues, cancer, financial failure, job change, an accident. Like all those things, those things are seasons where people are desperately looking for hope. They are looking and searching for hope. And if our head is up and our eyes are open and our ears are open, we will see those things, we will hear those things, we will be attentive to those things, and we will be people who give up our time and relationally put ourselves beside people in those circumstances to see them, hear them, listen to them, and share hope with them. Be thankful is the next one. Be thankful. Be thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus. Be thankful that God sent his son to us to die on a cross. That all who call on his name, believe, confess, repent, and are baptized are covered in that blood and will be with him in heaven for eternity. He didn't stay dead on that cross. He was resurrected, and he's currently working on our behalf at the right hand of God, interceding for you and I as believers.